Ah, yes. A happy Wednesday to you and yours. Apologies for the late episode here on MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. My name is Greg Moraz. I am your host, as always. The housekeeping items. Make sure that you write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. You can email the show, greg.moraz at yahoo.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Greg D. Moraz. If the podcast gets enough traction, we'll even start a podcast Twitter account, but we're still in the growing stages of this show. We hope that you enjoyed the last couple of episodes, the one on Monday being the starting pitchers that completed at least 10 innings or recorded an out in the 10th inning since 1995. And then yesterday, we had the what would have happened if the 2005 Chicago White Sox played the 2016 Chicago Cubs in the World Series. I had a lot of fun doing that. That was a lot of time put into finding those audio clips. One of them was a master track that had Klaus Bedelt's He's a Pirate in it, and I want to say that I do not own the rights to that music. I have to say that as a legal disclaimer. I do not own the rights to that music, so that was on a YouTube clip that I was able to pull, so shout out to ESPN 1000 WMVP for making that readily available to me. Recording a little bit late today because I actually was able to get out of the house yesterday. I went up to Sacramento, which is about an hour and a half away from the Ocean Avenue studios, and I was able to play some golf. However, when I left my house here in San Francisco, it was 65 degrees, a little bit foggy, and when I got to Sacramento, it was 90. And I don't do heat well, so by the time that I left the golf course, I was gassed, I drove home, I came back in, and I just passed out because I was that tired from the heat. So that's why we weren't able to get up early this morning to record. We're recording for you now. We're going to keep it relatively short. It's basically just another update on a quote-unquote trial balloon that MLB is throwing out there. But I think that this one has a little bit of credence to it. And again, this one was fed to Bob Nightingale of USA Today. So let's review the ones that we have so far. Plan number one, the original 100-game plan starting in July with no fans in the stands and being able to play somewhat of a regular schedule with a neutral site World Series. Plan number two was everybody in Arizona. That, I think, has been shot down because it's not feasible. Plan number three was Arizona and Florida playing the Grapefruit and Cactus Leagues as regular major leagues. Now, I think that that's going to be problematic because of what Florida has had to deal with in terms of coronavirus, and I think MLB had already shot that down because they released a fourth plan, which we did not do an episode on because I didn't think it was relevant. That plan was the Arizona, Florida, and Texas plan. They were going to try and play in the two major league stadiums in Texas as well. So there's a lot of stuff that's just being thrown against a wall. But I saw an article a little bit earlier today from Yahoo that paraphrased Anthony Fauci in saying that baseball was going to have the most difficult time having a normal season in 2020 and that Fauci applauds them for being creative. And MLB has the most to lose per that Yahoo Sports article. And the reason why it does is that MLB has more home games than any of the other pro sports leagues. MLB thus is going to rely on TV revenue, and we've made this point before, but the NBA and the NHL were already in the midst of their seasons, and if they can continue, they'll skip right to the playoffs and then be able to start their next seasons a little bit later than they probably would have, but it's not going to have that much of an impact long term. 
i.e. they're not subject to any full season cancellations. The NFL just had its draft, and the NFL is planning like they're going to start on time. I don't think that's going to happen, and if it does happen, I think it's going to be in empty stadiums. But the NFL TV rights deals are gigantic, and people are going to watch the NFL on TV even if they can't get into the stadiums. In fact, I would say if you were to poll 10 people, probably 8 out of 10 would prefer watching football games on TV as opposed to going in person. Let me tell you, going to a football game in person is fun, but the issues that arise with getting there, with the pricing of everything, with a lot of the other issues you have to deal with, getting out of there. I remember going to Raider games and getting stuck in a claustrophobic line trying to get onto the BART platform. Let me tell you, that's not fun. And quite frankly, I will miss being in those clogged lines at Raider games because the Raiders are no longer in Oakland. But that's a football podcast that we're not going to have exist because I, quite frankly, would rather talk about baseball than football. But in any event, to circle it back, baseball has the most to lose because baseball, if they have their season outright canceled, they are going to lose a lot of money. It's going to put a lot of front office employees out of work, and Major League Baseball players are going to see a severe reduction in their salaries going forward because there's not going to be as much money to be able to pay the players because you have that much more expenses that you have to worry about that you're using a smaller pool of money in order to pay for. So Major League Baseball, knowing that there is a reduced salary amount probably on the horizon for all of these players if they do play a season, and that they've already been guaranteed pay for the season even if there is no season, Major League Baseball is incentivized to collect any revenue that they can, which is why they are getting really creative. However, as some states are easing restrictions on crowds, and granted, I don't think that's a very good idea at this point because you still haven't eradicated the virus. I think that it's deadly enough to where you have to totally eradicate it before you can allow large groups back in. That's just me. There's a lot of people that disagree with me, and that's fine. But MLB is somewhat hoping that they're going to be able to play games in their home cities. And that's why, if they can get fans into the stands toward the end of the season, it is worth playing games in the home cities. And that gets us to our report from Bob Nightingale. Let's read it verbatim. Maybe it's a dream scenario. Maybe it's premature to get excited. Then again... Maybe it just might work. Major League Baseball officials have become cautiously optimistic this week that the season will start in late June and no later than July 2nd, playing at least 100 regular season games, according to three executives with knowledge of the talks. They requested anonymity because the plan is still under construction. And not only would baseball be played, but it would be played in their own Major League ballparks, albeit with no fans. MLB is considering a three-division, ten-team plan in which teams play only within their division, a concept gaining support among owners and executives. It would abolish the traditional American and National Leagues and realign divisions based on geography. The plan, pending approval of the medical experts and providing that COVID-19 testing is available to the public, would eliminate the need for players to be in isolation and allow them to still play at their home ballparks while severely reducing travel. So... Basically, what you're getting is three 10-team divisions that comprise the leagues for that year. And I think what you would have happen in a playoff scenario, and maybe they haven't completely worked this out yet, but let's read the divisions first. 
So in the East Division, you have everybody from the AL East, the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, Baltimore Orioles, Toronto Blue Jays, and Tampa Bay Rays. Now the NL teams that are in this East Division are a little bit weirder. You've got four of the five teams from the NL East, the Washington Nationals, the Philadelphia Phillies, the New York Mets, and the Miami Marlins. But completing this division are the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are in the NL Central. The Atlanta Braves, who are in the NL East, are put into a central division, and they're kind of this outlier because they're actually a lot closer to the Florida teams than they are to the teams up north. But here's your central division. In the NL Central, it's the Chicago Cubs, Milwaukee Brewers, St. Louis Cardinals, and Cincinnati Reds. In the AL Central, it's the Chicago White Sox, the Cleveland Indians, the Kansas City Royals, the Detroit Tigers, and the Minnesota Twins, with the Atlanta Braves being the 10th team. And then the West Division is all of the teams in the AL and NL West. You've got the LA Dodgers, LA Angels, San Francisco Giants, Oakland A's, San Diego Padres, Arizona Diamondbacks, Colorado Rockies, Texas Rangers, Houston Astros, and Seattle Mariners. So not a whole lot there changes, and not a whole lot in the Eastern Division changes, but you're still going to have a lot of quote-unquote interleague play and a lot of matchups that you wouldn't normally see traditionally. The article continues, quote, It's too early to expound on the details, the officials cautioned, with new ideas floated each week. It's also not known whether teams would have to open the season in Arizona, Florida, and Texas for several weeks before everyone could return to their home stadiums. Yet they could squeeze in 100 to 110 games and perhaps even have several thousand fans in attendance before or during the playoffs. One official says, quote, it's all coming together. I'm very optimistic. One of the additional benefits, and this is from the article, to playing in Major League Cities is it would alleviate a possible split among players who are opposed to playing the entire season in Arizona, Florida, and Texas. Several high-profile players, including the Angels' Mike Trout and the Dodgers' Clayton Kershaw, expressed strong resistance to playing the season away from their families. MLB and union officials have yet to engage in formal discussions about the financial ramifications of playing without fans. With three owners telling USA Today three weeks ago, that they would refuse to play unless the players were willing to take a pay cut. Four other team officials insist they would require financial relief from the players. Yet, there is now optimism among executives that they could settle their differences in negotiations on a sliding scale depending on the loss of revenue from gate receipts, parking, and concessions. Teams would also have to revise their revenue-sharing plans. And I'll finish up with this. The most encouraging signs, the officials said, is that testing is becoming more available, more states are reopening, and more politicians such as New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot saying the teams could play in their own ballparks this summer. So here's the thing about all of this that I have to first put out there before I discuss this plan. The virus doesn't care. The virus doesn't care. The virus doesn't care. If these environments are not safe yet, you can't do this. Now, you're probably saying, well, Greg, you just went up to a golf course yesterday to go play. Well, I played in a mask. They were social distancing. You had to stand six feet apart from each other entering the golf shop to be able to check in. They had a six-foot extension cable on a credit card swiper. You could barely even see the golf professional behind the desk. Okay, that's not necessarily true. But you could be able to play golf while social distancing because you're only playing maximum four players in a group at a time. And the marshal instructed us on the tee box that you have to stay six feet away from each other in order for them to stay open. 
the driving range, had every third slot open to ensure that social distancing was being practiced. Now, I'm telling you about a round of golf just to make sure that you know that I'm not being a hypocrite here. I was following social distancing guidelines. But if it is not safe to be able to travel from one area of the country to another, and granted, you have severely reduced travel, but you also have the issue of travel from certain places to other hot spots. And the reason why I bring this up is that the way that these divisions are aligned, you have put the Atlanta Braves in the same division as teams in Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, St. Louis, Kansas City, Minneapolis. Atlanta is a hot spot because their governor is going about this all bombastic and thinking that it's okay to reopen businesses when they were one of the last states to issue a stay-at-home order and one of the first to revoke it. I don't trust Georgia and Florida at this point as being places where people are being safe. I think that that is going to be the epicenter of a second coronavirus spike. That's what I feel. I'm just looking at the numbers, I'm looking at the science, I'm looking at the data. If you're going to let players roam around freely, you basically are putting them on the honor system that they're going to be able to isolate themselves and not come into a situation where they're going to be exposed to COVID-19. Nobody guarantees that. You're also putting players back at their spring training complexes, which is going to bring a lot of people together in a close environment, and that could further expose you to this. So I think that there's got to be a lot that's flushed out to ensure that social distancing is practiced, to ensure that there's not a chance that one city could end up infecting all of Major League Baseball, or at least the entirety of that division. Like, look at the NBA, for example. Look at how Rudy Gobert tested positive, and then everybody else that tested positive in the NBA that came out after Gobert. Christian Wood of the Pistons. Guess what? They played the Jazz five days before Gobert tested positive. Four players of the Brooklyn Nets. They also played the Jazz in that time period. Same with the Philadelphia 76ers, as they had members of the organization test positive. It can completely explode on you if you're not careful. So MLB has to look to the NBA as an example of what happens if this goes wrong. You're putting a lot of people at risk if you're traveling from city to city like this. And I understand that if you're not going to have fans in the stands that it's a lot safer, but still ballpark operations. You're having 26-man rosters, so that's still 52 people plus your broadcasters, plus your grounds crew, plus your equipment managers, plus your trainers and strength coaches, and all of the coaches in each dugout, and the umpires. So you're still gathering at least 75 people, 75 to 100, every time you get a game going. And all of those people are traveling to X City. Like, to me, I just don't think that's very smart. If you're going to be able to get a season off the ground, you've got to be able to limit travel. Limiting travel limits exposure. And I think that if you talk about what plan is better to keeping players safe, I don't know. That's the thing. 
This plan they're aiming for July 2nd. Today's April 29th, so we're still over two months away. I think that they make a determination on June 1 in terms of whether or not this could end up happening or not. I think that you almost have to give yourself that month-long grace period and say, okay, this is a plan that we have, this is what we want to do to execute it, and if we feel like health and safety regulations are at a certain point, we'll be able to go through with this. Now, what is the downside to playing games without fans? Well, you are losing a lot of that revenue, but you're also going to lose revenue if you don't have the games on TV. Which, by the way, people that I did not include in our numbers of people at the ballpark on any given day, even without fans, the TV crews, which you've got eight to nine cameramen, your replay operator, director, producer, technical director, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, to me, I think that there are some risks involved in doing this 100-game, three-division plan, but I think that limiting travel at least to these cities, is better than trying to do this 100-game plan with the schedule that was already scheduled out. I think it's better than the Arizona plan because you have fewer people in a concentrated area. There's a balance between having people isolated in one spot and having too many people isolated in one spot. The key about this three-division plan is that it is allowing players to be able to stay with their families and not be separated from their wives or girlfriends or kids for four and a half months, which I think is the biggest benefit to this. I think players would be more willing to go for this, being able to live in the team's home cities, than having themselves separated from their families and being stuck in Arizona or Florida or Texas the entire time. That's just me. I don't know what plan is best at this point, as I've already iterated. I think that you've got a couple of options. I think that this plan certainly has its benefits. It certainly has its drawbacks. But we're going to have to see how the situation in the United States plays out in regards to public health. Because if June 1st comes around and things are worse and not better or we get a spike in certain areas like Florida or Georgia, which we're already seeing, by the way, and we can't ensure public safety, then you have to scrap it all and try again. You have to be able to come up with something else. But I believe at this point that Major League Baseball is going to have a season. That's what I will say. That is my bold prediction. MLB will have a season in 2020. It is going to be way different than any season we've ever seen, but Major League Baseball would not be throwing out idea after idea if they weren't going to have a season. They know they lose too much, not just in terms of revenue, but in terms of popularity if they don't have a season. The NBA has not made any decisions regarding the resumption of a season. Adam Silver said he can't make any determinations on the future until May 1st, which, by the way, that's only two days away. The NHL has been trying to come up with ideas, but they haven't been nearly as active as the NBA. Granted, the NHL can also just start the playoffs and be able to play a truncated playoffs if they get their season back going again. The NFL is just operating business as usual, even though they had a virtual draft, and 
Honestly, the NFL is less concerned about safety than any of the other pro sports leagues. Just look at their track record and look at how they've dealt with concussion issues and support for retired players who are having medical issues. It's pretty clear that the NFL doesn't care about safety issues and they just want to make their bottom dollar, which probably they'll be able to with no fans in the stands, with their giant TV contracts, and with a season that will function somewhat close to normal, albeit with no fans. Now, training camps will be interesting because you're gathering 100-plus people inside of a facility for training camp. So that's something the NFL is still going to have to flush out. But I will say this. MLB will have a season. It's just a matter of how long it is, when it starts, when it ends, where it's being played, and what teams will be playing each other. Because the one thing that you can guarantee is that Major League Baseball, as normal, will not happen this season. You're going to have realignment. That is basically the only way that you'll be able to guarantee maximum safety, minimal travel, and the most amount of games. This has been another edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. We'll be back tomorrow. What are we going to do tomorrow? Well, we'll have something up our sleeves. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the AM.